Hey everybody, this is Brian, back for another solo episode. The last one that we did, I mentioned the question, how did Josh and I come up with all this content? Well, I'm going to talk about it a little bit from my perspective, about my individual creative process, and I'm going to launch out onto the loop right about now. Welcome to the podcast of Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in. Let me start the conversation with myself. So just like every good person who's circumspect, Josh uh, and I commented about how much more I talk than him and how much faster I talk in the morning after I've had coffee. So this is my attempt to not only uh, ramp it back, (laughs) but also to not... Uh, feel like blunt force trauma to him. So the question today is, how do we come up with all this content? Let me just frame a little bit for all of you. You know, Josh and I have known each other for so long that we have a nice rapport. We also are very familiar with each other's speech patterns. If you have the benefit of sitting in front of somebody and even talking over lunch or coffee, a casual conversation, you kind of start to learn each other's cadence. But you know, that's very different when you are recording. And for Josh and I, we're recording in different states and we're putting this together for you all. So what happens is we actually had to find a way to recreate our physical cues over, uh, you know, over the interwebs. Josh and I are in the room together and it's a very easy conversation, which is why you often see a lot of podcasts have guests in studio doing it that way or the speed of the internet is just blazing (laughs) well you know only till recently has my internet speed become somewhat respectable we had to really find ways to work this out Uh, just on the practical side when we're making the content when you're doing something over video and you're trying to sync audio you know a little bit of behind the scenes here you know Josh and I are recording our tracks locally We're also having some kind of uh, digital streaming thing that we're doing. And we make sure we can see each other. We kind of put each other on the screen so we can look at each other. We're looking at our levels and we're looking at our notes if we ever have them. You know, in the early days, Josh and I had notes just because the framework of what we did was still new to us. So part of the thing that helps is just to create a skeleton of the points you'd like to make. It's almost like if you read an article and it might be the three things that you want to remember about, uh, you know, breakfast or something like that. Those little notes, just those little mental triggers are going to help you start the conversation. Now, some people feel like they need to be scripted. That's okay. There's excellent podcasts out there that are totally scripted. We're not doing any audio dramas or anything like that. Written responses are fine. Remember, when you're telling somebody a point, do you feel like it's less of a point if somebody's reading it to you? And, the, and really, it should be, why is that? Ask yourself that question. What they're doing is they're sharing their 
ideas that maybe some people have to write it down first and kind of read over it before it really becomes a cohesive thought. Some people are very comfortable just talking about it extemporaneously. Anybody who's in a sales job is very comfortable talking to people. And not only that, but picking up on conversational cues in order to tailor that conversation, to overcome objections, to close a sale. And the best salespeople also follow a format. They're following a script. First thing that Josh and I do with any content at the very beginning, outside of what it is, is we set the construct of how long we want to go, who's going to take turns, and as we've gone along, it's become a very natural language to us. You'll notice that we made the, the decision, as we mentioned, to keep it concise. 15 to 20 minutes is all we're going to do, generally speaking. It's the time it takes you to get in the car, run, an, run to the place you're going to run an errand, come back, and you're done with the conversation. So we put that constraint in. The other component is that we want to be balanced in what each other's saying. See, the thing that I noticed last time when I was not looking at Josh while I was recording my solo episode is that I process information differently. So that's a really interesting kind of thing to think about. Your context is going to meet somebody else's context. And how do you want to set that common table? This is why Josh and I talk about building community and talking about, talk about having talks. Sounds kind of funny, but that's really what we do. Okay, after you've set some of the rules of engagement that everybody understands, the length, uh, the topic, certain points, maybe you, you ping pong back and forth, totally good. All right, so now you're saying, now there's a creative process with it. How do you all come up with it? Some of it is Josh and Mai's conversations, but you know, um, we don't just talk and the conversation is the point. There are so many other things that influence how our days went. How was your day today? Mine's good. How was your day? We share about it. Josh may watch a different show than me, uh, and often he does. His Netflix looks very different than my Netflix, which looks very different than somebody else's. If anybody can ever solve the search engine algorithm in streaming video services to share with friends and give diverse uh, opinions back. Please do that. Sidebar. With content like this, what we kind of do is we may have something on our mind and we're going to start there and we're just going to poke around. If somebody says to you, I just sit there and wait for inspiration to come and in that magic moment, I write that down and that's just solid gold. Please introduce me to that person. It's never worked for me that way. Of probably the hundred ideas that may float through my head in a day, there's only a handful that are actually probably even worth exploring anymore. But the way I get to those is by just running through and saying, oh, that might be an idea. And I might park it. I might write it down. I might just say that is completely dumb and throw it out the window. Oftentimes when people collaborate with me uh, like in professional settings and things, sometimes they're like, I can't believe that you just suggested that. And they'll know if I'm just kind of almost throat clearing my mind. I have to do that. I don't know how anybody else uh, just comes where it's like, I just got to find that one thing. I just got to wait till it comes. Every, all of us struggle with having that writer's block, having that moment that we can't get over. But what Josh and I do is that we're just curious about it and we'll just tap on it. And it's really helpful to have a co-writer or a collaborator or a partner in crime. I live in the Nashville area, and so songwriters often 
collaborate with one another. Uh, there's a very well-known, very successful songwriter, Alan Shamblin. Uh, he's really known for I Can't Make You Love Me, which Bonnie Raitt made famous by her, her you know, just iconic presentation of that song. And he's a very uh, humble man. He's super talented at what he does. He presents it very simply. And if you ever have a chance to go listen to him while he's playing out, it's fun to hear his stories. And I've had some friends of mine co-write with him, and I had the pleasure of co-writing with him. And when you have somebody who's written all the hits that Alan has, and I won't do it justice to remember all the things he's done, it gets intimidating. It's like, oh my gosh, this person is the person, and I have to be like him, or I have to be at their level. And Alan's very good at setting the table to say, today our goal is to write two lines that rhyme. And it sets a lot of songwriters at ease because they realize the goal is not to create the masterpiece. It's two lines at a time. Josh and I, when we are creating content together, sometimes it starts, we have two lines. And when you're listening to us talk, sometimes it's because you're hearing us just add another line, add another thought, erase the thought, which is generally me. (laughs) And Josh says, let's pull it back a little bit. That's how we're kind of finding our way through the content. You know, like I'd mentioned, we didn't do anything as far as pulling out themes until we had a chance to record 52 episodes and present it to everybody. And not only see what was interesting to you, but what was also interesting to us. If you ever watch the Lego movie and see the random moments of song and dance, all of a sudden you're looking at uh, a vehicle and you see all the component parts fly out, or sometimes everything's in slow motion, that's kind of generally how my brain works, constantly. <laughs> Maybe not for everybody. But when I saw that movie, and I love Legos, I'm like, that is my brain. When those type of situations, it's like, how are things built? And I just have a natural curiosity that I try to keep on all the time. I'm not afraid to ask dumb questions. There have been many times in my career where I've not known. And especially now as I've gotten older, I just say, hang on a minute. Could you please tell me what that stands for? What, what does that acronym mean to you? What does all those different kind of things? I'm just curious. And I go, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Then what I generally am doing is I take that and I try to relate it to something. One thing that helps me come up with ideas and content is that I'm trying to understand something to something I already know, even if it's just a little bit. My brain really largely works in analogies. If I say, oh, it's like this, but not that, but kind of like this, it gives me a foothold. Oftentimes with content or ideas, you want an idea and then you just need one foothold. That's it. It doesn't even need to be a good one. In fact, you may end up throwing that foothold away after you realize there's a better example of that. But that's part of the process. I don't think people realize that when they are doing those things, that they're actually working through the creative process of coming up with an idea or coming up with content. Any writer who writes, they may say, my goal is to write two pages today. And once they do that, they'll go away from it. Eventually, they end up writing books or, or you know, a book or pages and uh, whatever it may be. But they don't wait. Sometimes they just start. You know, for me, I will write a paper when I have to. And if I block out five paragraphs... I may completely change the order of those. Remember, coming up with the ideas that you want to talk about, sometimes it's just setting the table or walking past a buffet. 
<laughs> of things. You go, oh, that's kind of interesting. For example, if I go to the buffet, which I don't really go to the buffet anymore. Now I really want Chinese food. Oh, boy. Anyway, different thought. If I go look at the buffet, I look at the different vegetables, I go, huh, that's cool how they slice that. That's sliced at an angle. I don't ever slice my green onions at an angle. What if I did that? What would it take for me to cut? And I just go down that road for just a moment. It all happens very quickly. Then I move on to the next thing. And I see, like, noodles. And I go, oh, noodles. Oh, now, I wonder what they put in their sauce. What I put in my sauce is this. And I wonder what uh, type of noodles they are. Okay, those are those kind of noodles. I haven't tried those in a while. And I just let that script run. Now, for some of you, are going like, wait a minute. My brain doesn't work that way. And that's okay. See, part of the creative process is it's a highly individual mechanism by which you are coming up with those things. But our, my encouragement to you would be to not throw an idea away just because um, you can't use it at the moment. You may say, well, that's not worth doing, and I go on to the next thing. Okay. But realize that those kind of things are what pave the way for you to come up with the best content, the best idea that you've ever had before. So don't disregard those little ideas. There are some episodes that Josh and I kind of all call them the lost episodes because either A, when we recorded them, they didn't turn out well, like the recording quality was bad, or we're just like, that's not the right thing. And sometimes Josh has held content for a couple of months going like, that's not the right thing right now. As you think about this content, keep a log of it. The only way you're going to really remember this is by keeping something, writing it down, making a note in your phone. Come back to it. Go revisit it. Even if it sounds silly, if it strikes you funny. There are many funny things I just write down because it just makes me giggle when I write it down. Those things, though, hopefully, will inspire you. It's going to approach it from such not a serious angle, and you're going to be able to go, oh, maybe that's how I start to think about what I want to do next. It's kind of a vague walking around type of thing. The creative process is hard to define. Oftentimes, if you're just very black and white, it's like, well, yeah, but that's not what it is. But if you're able to understand even like the black and white of something, then you're able to understand the nature of it and be able to classify it. And those classifications help you say, well, this is that. And honestly, if you said, like, what if instead of being like, here's a black and white type of principle, what if the black was white? What if the white was black? What if there was gray? If you just ask yourself the question and just play out a fun scenario in your mind, it may be completely not relevant in the real world. But you might find something in there that go, you know what? That gives me an idea to think about the next thing. I've talked enough, and I'm keeping myself to about 15 minutes. So this is Brian. For the next time, Josh hopefully will respond to me, probably in about seven minutes or so. <laughs> Stay curious. This is Brian for Curiosity Continuum. Thank mm-hmm. you.